in the Civil Rights Act of 1968, America does move forward. And the bell of freedom rings out a little louder. Hi there. This is A Little Louder, a podcast for wonks, housers, and rabble-rousers, where we talk about fair housing, community development, and how we can use these issues to build people power and work toward equity and justice. I'm Michael D. Plant. Today's episode is a bus session, where we'll briefly talk about current issues facing Texas affordable homes and neighborhoods. And for this episode, we're joined by Aaron Hahn. Texas Hauser's research analyst and author of the new report, Emergency Rental Assistance in Texas, How It Went and What Happens Now. Welcome back to the show, Erin. Thanks, Michael. Happy to be here. So Emergency Rental Assistance, the ERA program, started in about early 2021 and ran for how long? About 18 months. Is Is that correct? Yeah, so ERA um, was established in in early 2021, and jurisdictions recently finished spending their their first tranche of ERA funding, ERA 1. There was a second tranche of funding that came a little bit later, and jurisdictions have um, all the way until 2025 uh, to finish spending these funds. But regardless, um, most jurisdictions in Texas have closed down their programs um, due to depletion of funds. So... We at Texas Housers, anyone who has been sort of following us during the pandemic, you know, we've been tracking how this money has been spent, the manner and speed in which it has been uh, distributed, um, how equitably it has been distributed. Um, So all of that culminated into why we wanted to make this report, right? Yeah, so we have been tracking the dispersal of ERA funds since jurisdictions received them back in 2021. Um, And we wrote this report because we realized in our data tracking that there were such stark geographical disparities in terms of how efficiently and equitably some jurisdictions were able to administer these funds to low-income households and keep them stabilized through the pandemic. Um, And so we, we wrote this report and interviewed administrators because we wanted to understand the roots of these disparities um, so that we can inform ourselves going forward and, and administer a, a better functioning program in the future where all jurisdictions um, are in a position to uh, adequately serve their low-income renters and keep them stable through crisis. Now, you know, Texas is a really big state. There's a lot of not just diversity of individuals, but, you know, diversity of cultures uh, in our state. So what were some of the things uh, that you encountered that made ERA, which is sort of a catch-all program, a federal program, um, more difficult or just differing uh, via different counties and cities uh, here in the state of Texas? Yeah, exactly. So Texas is a, is a huge state with lots of jurisdictions that are so different from one another, which is why we think using Texas as a case study for assessing the effectiveness of this federal program as a whole is is super useful and unique. Um, But we found that local context played a huge role in determining whether a jurisdiction was able to administer these funds um, because some jurisdictions who were more successful had pre-existing experience and infrastructure 
uh, for administering rental assistance. They had an abundance of community partners that they already had relationships with who were ready to jump in and assist in operations. Um, while other jurisdictions had no experience, no infrastructure built up, um, not a lot of staff capacity, especially in, in our smaller uh, counties in Texas, and they didn't have access to partners who could help. Um, and some of them encountered additional regionally specific uh, challenges, uh, specifically on the on the Texas-Mexico border, like overcoming the distrust of government that many low-income people in this area um, experience. Um, and so the ERA program, or with the ERA program, the federal government took a very hands-off approach. They provide they provided very flexible guidance um, to jurisdictions, which allowed uh, jurisdictions with existing systems to continue existing or to continue utilizing these systems instead of rebuilding, which advantaged them. Um, but it provided little support to the jurisdictions, the smaller counties in Texas, especially who did not have experience or really the capacity to, to be able to administer this program effectively. So what was it like speaking to these different experiences um, with each of these program admins? And, you know, what did you learn from that? And before, I, I, before you finish that thought, I just want to encourage everyone uh, to find the report uh, as you're listening. It's at texashousers.org. You can find it right on our front page, or if you click on our blog, it's also there. But please go ahead, Erin. Sure. So it was, a, it was a goal of ours to speak to a variety of program administrators who are working in very different contexts um, so that we could understand how local context uh, played a role in a jurisdiction's success. And we found that program administrators across Texas had very different experiences um, while administering ERA. For example, the administrator in Houston in Harris County um, spoke about her successful strategies that she used for administering an, an efficient and equitable ERA program, like limiting documentation requirements and making sure that the application process was streamlined um, and was not burdensome, didn't require tenants to provide a lot of burdensome documentation um, and allowed self-attestations of el eligibility. Um, while the administrator in Hayes County attempted to adopt flexible design uh, program practices like this, like allowing self-attestations, um, but was unable to because uh, local officials in Hayes County set um, set limits on how flexible he could be. Um, they were concerned about fraud, and so they required additional documents that um, were not necessary for the program to collect and established barriers for tenants. Um, and so while some program administrators in Texas were able to implement uh, program design features that prioritized equity. Uh, there were restrictions that prevented others from doing so um, on behalf of, of their local officials and their partisanship beliefs and, and things like that. And so we saw that local politics, in addition to local culture, um, played a role in, in kind of the design of, of programs that we saw across Texas. Mm. Now, this is sort of like a unique situation um, ERA because it is a federal program, but it is not um, administered federally from the Department of Treasury to an individual, but rather the funds are appropriated to all of these localities. Uh, so is this something, in, I would say, in your experiences with Treasury um, that you have been able to communicate with them, that, that you've said that these are 
this is what we've found to be true in our state. And um, this is maybe how we can better navigate some of these waters where the money isn't reaching the, you know, the goal line. Yeah, exactly. And so any federal program that devolves responsibility to local jurisdictions um, to keep low-income people housed and to provide assistance to low-income people um, is going to play out differently across jurisdictions in Texas because some jurisdictions are more willing to engage in work like this and others are, are less willing just because, again, of partisanship beliefs um, and also previous experience engaging in this kind of work. Um, and so what we want to see from the federal government in the future is um, to provide flexibility to allow um, the jurisdictions who have experience of infrastructure and the capacity to engage in the political will to engage in effective, effective eviction prevention work um, to continue using the systems that they've already developed and found success in, but then to provide additional guidance or enforcement to both the jurisdictions who need a little extra help for, from a capacity standpoint and a technology standpoint. Um, but also to enforce that local jurisdictions who may be resistant to administering these funds um, because they don't see it as their responsibility to help low-income people in their jurisdiction um, to, to make sure that they really do their due, due diligence and spend these funds as they were meant to be spent. Okay, so we have our recommendations for you know our friends in Washington, but what about right here? and Lone Star State. What, what are some recommendations that you can give uh, for state government or even localities uh, that can be found in this report? Sure, so we've, we spoke a lot about how local context played a huge role in determining a jurisdiction's success with ERA. Um, but regardless um, as to where a jurisdiction started when they started administering ERA, whether they had an infrastructure built up for rental assistance distribution or not, um, by the end of this experience, all jurisdictions who participated in ERI now have some degree of infrastructure and systems um, and a network for dispersing rental assistance intact. Um, and so even though federal funding is, is drying up, um, we're encouraging jurisdictions to keep these infrastructures intact um, and to keep, uh, promote, keep furthering their relationships with partners um, and so that we are prepared the next time an, an emergency crisis hits and federal funding comes down and jurisdictions are prepared to meet the moment and help stabilize renters through crisis. Um, but in the meantime, to continue using these systems to support renters um, through the ongoing eviction crisis, um, which existed prior to the pandemic and is continuing to impact low-income renters today. Um, and so we want to see the momentum that ERA kickstarted in terms of um, jurisdictions who had never participated in eviction prevention work before suddenly were having conversations and developing systems for how to keep their, their low-income tenants housed. And we want to see them continue the momentum and um, start to think about evict eviction prevention, not just in terms of rental assistance, but holistically, um, and to fund, for example, eviction court reforms um, and continue to invest in the construction of new affordable housing. So given that a lot of these uh, programs, these localities were built up uh, from nothing, uh, a lot of these places really hadn't had experience uh, distributing this kind of money, working with this kind of program, all the hard work, 
um, I absolutely see the purpose in at least maintaining a level of readiness should the next crisis um, come to their doorstep. But, you know, ERA is just one aspect of what we are facing. I mean, it is important, but, you know, we have an ongoing eviction crisis uh, that is very much a part of what you're talking about. I just want to alert our listeners and, and viewers on uh, TexasHousers.org that uh, our research director, Ben Martin, very soon will be dropping a sort of companion piece to your ERA report uh, regarding evictions. So for those who are interested, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that one. But Aaron, I just wanted to sort of wrap up here. Uh, what are your final thoughts on ERA? You're someone who's been working pretty much primarily on ERA for the past year and a half um, in rental assistance. So I just wanted to give you uh, the floor uh, to talk about any sort of final thoughts that you had on the subject. Sure. Thanks, Michael. And yeah, there's definitely a huge need for additional federal funding from the federal government um, to come down so that jurisdictions can continue to utilize the rental assistance systems that they work so hard to build up. Um, but the fact that there's not federal funding um, in the near future um, is not an excuse for local jurisdictions to do nothing in the meantime, because like you say, there is an ongoing crisis. Um, the pandemic or the, the financial crisis associated with the pandemic, people are still feeling the effects of rents are rising dramatically. Um, and so there are so many things that local jurisdictions can be doing now to protect renters. Um, and that is something that we're going to be writing about soon, like you mentioned with Ben's report. And so stay tuned to see what jurisdictions and taxes are doing um, to continue the momentum that the pandemic and pandemic era protections um, started um, and continuing to protect renters going into the post-pandemic future and passing things like tenants' rights and eviction court reforms, right to counsel. Great. Uh, well, I want to thank Aaron Hahn for joining the show. And once again, you can read the report at texashousers.org. Uh, but as for our loyal listeners, we'll see you next time. JT Hairschmack will play us out. Bye for now. I've still got my home